Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. And today we're going to continue on with this series uh, as we hear a message about generosity. And if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to the book of Titus, to the book of Titus. And while you're turning there, look to your neighbor, tell them that you're glad to be sitting next to them. Come on, there you go. Be social. Look to your other neighbor that you ignored, that you acted like wasn't there. Smile at them, encourage them. Come on, you should be encouraging in the house of God. I love it. Love that we got a social church here. Right? No one here is strangers, right? Everyone should know one another. Okay, cool, 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 cool. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna need this energy throughout the entire service. So like like let's keep let's keep it out of 10. Thank you, thank you. So uh, while you're turning there, I want to create a little bit of context here. I want to share a little bit of what's happening because um, as much as I believe that we should read God's word, we should also study God's word. And what I mean by that is understanding who wrote, who wrote, like who contributed towards God's word, like who was it written to, when was it written. And uh, the book of Titus is actually a letter that was written by the apostle Paul to his son of the faith, his protege by the name of Titus. <laughs> and uh And for those that don't know who the Apostle Paul is, the Apostle Paul was, uh, before he got that title, he was known as Saul of Tarsus. He was a man that was in love with religion. Didn't have a relationship with God, but was in love with the law. He, he loved, he loved making sure that he can catch people like sinning. He made sure he can catch people doing what's wrong. He actually was known as someone that would hunt down Christians, that would persecute them. He was actually uh, involved in a lot of executions of Christians. But what happens is one day he has this encounter with Jesus and we all know an encounter with Jesus can change everything. He ends up changing his life radically, ends up becoming, uh, becoming this man that was known to, to plant churches all across the Mediterranean and is even known as a contributor to about two-thirds of the New Testament, which I, I want to just pause real quick and can we all just thank God that he can use whoever, whenever, however, no matter what their past is, that you're not too far from him. You haven't messed up enough for him not to use you. Just saying. Um, but when this was written was actually, uh, scholars believe, between 62 to 64 AD. So that's actually in between Paul's first and second Roman imprisonment. And uh, what makes this letter a little different from his other letters that he wrote and like to churches and to his other protege, Timothy, is um, this letter doesn't really go over doctrine, meaning he's not explaining what we believe and and any like he's not explaining what it means to be a christian actually what he's doing what he's trying to do in this letter is kind of paint the picture and bridge the gap between um belief and practice belief and behavior he's trying to paint the picture as far as like what a church leader needs to look like how they should conduct themselves how as believers how you should live because the bright like the beauty is that we don't have to come correct to jesus to, to, to have an encounter with him. But the moment we have an encounter with him, he loves us so much that he won't leave us the same. So there has to be a response on the other side of that encounter. So what we're gonna pick up right now is in chapter three of the book of Titus. And at least in my Bible, uh, it's headed as saved in order to do good. And we're gonna start reading in verse four. If you're there, say amen. Ooh, you guys got there quick. Well, don't worry if you don't have a Bible, it's gonna come up on the screen. And if you're watching online as well, Uh, But it starts off with saying, but the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared. He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. 
He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Excellent and profitable for everyone. Amazing. There's so much that we can unpack there. Don't worry, we're going to. Um, but here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to talk about our third core value here at Calvary, which is generosity is the catalyst to our vision. We're going to talk all things generosity. And if you're writing notes, I've titled this message, Don't Just Watch. Say, say, say that to your neighbor. Don't just watch. Look to your other neighbor. Tell them the same thing. Don't just watch. Hey, but we're going to unpack this in just a moment, but, uh, and we're going to worship Jesus one more time and enjoy the rest of our Sunday. But before we do, let's close our eyes, bow our heads, and let's uh, pray and ask God to bless this time. So Jesus, we thank you so much. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your presence that is real and that is in this place right now. Jesus, I, I thank you that we are able to gather here in person, even those that gather online, Jesus, to just worship you, God, to hear from you. God, we don't come to, to hear from a man. We, we, we want to hear from the almighty God. And Lord, I pray that we would have an encounter with you, Jesus, that we wouldn't leave here the same, that anybody that's in here, God, who doesn't have a relationship with you or doesn't have a clear picture of who you are, that, Father, they would, they would see you for, for your character, God, a loving God that wants, that wants everything to do with them and that wants a relationship with them, Jesus. So encourage us today, Father. Lord, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen. All righty. So I've mentioned this before, uh, but I've been married, uh, was coming up to five years to my wife. And I know (laughs) that's what I'm saying, but uh, we've been married to close to five years, but we've actually been together for close to 12. We don't have any kids yet, uh, but we do have a two and a half year old dog. He's a schnoodle. His name is Gohan. He's my best friend in the world. And like, if anyone who's been around me long enough, then you know I am obsessed with my dog. I have a picture of him on my desk. He is my little buddy, my boo-boo, my pookie. He's just my best friend in the world. But I digress. Either way, here's the thing about Gohan is that Gohan is such a loving dog. And when I say loving, I mean, he's like, it's kind of unhealthy. Meaning that you can be a stranger and come into our house and he's gonna, he doesn't bark, he screams. He will literally scream so that you can hug him, pet him so that he can give you a kiss. He's gonna jump all over you. He, like, he is just such a loving dog with humans. But what's, what's odd is that he is socially awkward with other dogs. And uh, I mean, like, when I tell you awkward, I mean, it's, it's, it's actually painful to watch. Like, me and my wife would take him to the dog park. We tried taking him to the dog park. And he would just be in a corner. If a dog gets by him to, like, sniff him and try to greet him, he'd just, like, like, you know, just, you know what dogs do. Like, he just, like, gets to himself. He, he wants nothing to do with other dogs. So then me and my wife were trying to think, like, what can we do to make Gohan more social with other dogs? Because, you know, we want to have doggy play dates since, you know, we can't have kid play dates. But, um, so we... We, what we would do is that whenever we would visit my mom, um, we have a family dog, uh, and he's my sister's dog, actually, but he lives with my mom, odd enough, uh, but his name is Cubby, and Cubby is a 13-year-old Yorkie. That's all right? But here's the thing about Cubby. He's a jerk. <laughs> he's a terrible human being dog. You know what I mean? Like, Cubby, again, he's 13 years old. Gohan at the time was about one, one and a half going on two when we were trying this out. So Gohan is filled with energy. 
Like he's just running around all the time. He's eating stuff off the floor that he shouldn't be eating, but he's doing it anyway. And uh, we would take him over to my mom's and, 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 you know, we were like, but at least the mentality was, let's have him hang out with his cousin. Like my baby gets to hang out with your baby. And then, you know, they we were all just one big family. Cubby wasn't having it. Because Gohan, although he, he warmed himself up to get, try to get close to Cubby, um, Cubby would just like jump on a couch and like try to stay away from him. Gohan would even get in his face like, come on, play with me. Like he's just, you could just tell he's like barking at him. He's excited to be with his cousin. And Cubby would get to the point where he started like growling at him, almost try to bite him. So we're like, all right, let's separate the two. Because the reality is there's only so much, like there's only so much background noise you can have until like you get upset and all you would hear is Cubby barking. And it's like, all right, that's it, that's it. Some, some, someone has to leave and I'm not leaving. So, go, so Cubby, go to a room. So we would, we would separate the two or we'll tell Gohan go somewhere else. And then uh, in, my, in my mom's house, we have a, a toy chest for Cubby. And in that toy chest, there's a, there's a bunch of different like stuffed animals. There's like a moose, there's a duck, there's a Coca-Cola can. I don't know why that's a stuffed animal, but either way, uh, like a stuffed toy. And, and, and he also has a Winnie the Pooh that like he really likes. And so what would happen is Gohan would, would find the toy chest. Like he struck gold and he would find maybe one of the toys. He would get the duck. And no matter where Cubby was in the house, the moment you hear the squeak from that toy, he would come running like I, I haven't seen you run like this in like 10 years but cubby would come running to wherever gohan was and start barking at him like don't play with, like you could just tell he was upset at the fact that he was playing with his toys like cubby, here's the thing about cubby again he's 13 years old and the best way to describe him is that he's a grumpy old man but 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 the thing is he's so he's so content with his setup like he's like cool I, i'm i'm good where i'm at i don't need no new friends like i just want my greenies and i'm all right and you better not touch what's mine and while, yeah, I'm talking about my sister's dog here, the reality is I'm kind of painting a picture of that's, that's us. That can easily be us. Like our, our, natural, our, our natural default is to be selfish, to be self-centered, to think about us, to hold on to what's ours. And, and, and maybe, you know, maybe you're here and you would consider yourself a philanthropist and you care about everyone else. But shout out to you, by the way. But the reality is all of us at some point or the other in our lives have been selfish. And what happens is when we're selfish is that, again, we hold on to what we have. We hold on to what we love. We don't want to share. We don't think about others. We don't, we don't want to be able to give towards anything. We won't, we won't give of ourselves. Like, how, how, how often have you found yourself in the predicament where, like, you, you have just a little bit of free time after a busy week of work, and someone really needs your help, you're like, nah, I'm going to hold on to what's mine. I'm not going to give up on my time because I need to focus on me. Treat yourself, Right? How, how many times have you found yourself in a predicament where uh, you didn't want to give up of your emotional capacity to help someone else because you had a long day at work? Yikes. Right? There's times where we don't want to give towards heart for the house or don't want to give in our resources to building the, the, the house of God or building the, expanding the kingdom of God because we're trying to save up for a PS5 or an Xbox Series S. Hey, I mentioned this in the last service, by the way. If you're selling a PS5, let me know. Uh, but actually someone came up to me. That was amazing. <laughs> But, but that's the reality. Again, our, our, our natural default is selfishness. Like think about a toddler when like some of the first words that you hear a baby say other than mama and dada and all that, right? Like it's, it's no because they don't want to share or it's mine because they don't want to share. We all have this natural proclivity to be selfish. And I bring this up because selfishness is that exact opposite of generosity, of being generous. But, but, but just so that we're all on the same, you know, the same level here, we all have the same playing field, I, I want to actually make sure that we all clearly define generosity. 
because there's so many different definitions, I want to make sure that we're all on the same page. So um, according to my good friend Google, uh, generosity is defined as showing a readiness to give more of something such as money, effort, or time than is strictly necessary or expected. See, I, I'm certain that there's someone in here, and I, and, and I say this because I was this person, that the moment gener- the word generosity is even mentioned, immediately it's like, oh, great, here we go. We're talking about money in church now. But the reality is generosity has so much more to do than just money. And again, going back to the definition, it has to do with money, effort, or time. And when it comes to the generosity that we can express in our lives, it's about our time, our gifts and our talents, our service, our finances, our emotions. We're called to be generous. But again, we have to constantly fight that tension of being selfish. And the big problem here is that when we default to our, to our selfishness, is that selfishness shrinks our world. Selfishness shrinks our world. Like think of someone that, that maybe, if you're sitting next to them, like don't nudge them and don't point to them. But like think of someone in your life that you've met that like you could just tell they're selfish. Like all they, they always want, 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 but never give, give, give. Like chances are you probably don't want to hang out with that person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what happens is that we close ourselves off from the rest of the world when we're selfish. We don't, we, we close ourselves off to ourselves when we're selfish. We close ourselves off to God when we're selfish. But that's why I love what the Apostle Paul is saying here in this text, because again, he's writing Titus to, to kind of paint the picture of what a life of a believer, a life of a Christian, someone, someone who follows Jesus. And if you're here today and you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian, that's okay. I just even want to give you a glimpse of what that would even mean. Again, Paul is trying to bridge the gap between belief and behavior, because the reality is, again, you don't have to come a certain way to Jesus to, to be a follower of Jesus. But the moment you become a follower of Jesus, it does elicit a different type of lifestyle. And we're not called to be selfish. Again, he actually, from what we read, you're saved to do good. And doing good is doing the work of God, doing the work of Jesus. And unfortunately, in the world today, we have plenty of Christians that claim the name of Jesus, but don't do the work of Jesus. And what I mean by that is that they're simply sitting back, letting everyone else do all the work. They're simply watching from the sidelines while other people are giving, other people are serving and saying, you know what, they can handle that. Because again, it's so easy to get caught in that mindset of, you know what, I'm good, I'm all right, Jesus saved me, thank you God, Jesus Christ, like thank you Jesus, but I got my fire insurance, I know I'm not going to help, but they can handle the rest. But we're not called to just sit back and watch. We're called to be participators. As a follower of Jesus, that means you're considered an ambassador of Christ Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter five tells us that, that we are ambassador of Christ. That means we have to represent him well. And in, and in, the, in the essence of representing who Jesus is, is we, again, we gotta look to his character. And there's many attributes of the God's character, of Jesus' character, but one of them is that he is loving. And it's because he is so loving, he is abundant in his love. That means he is generous with everything he does because he loves us. So Jesus embodied generosity. See, if you read the gospels, the four eyewitness accounts of Jesus's life here on earth in Matthew, Mark, um, John, and Luke, you, you see time and time again, different accounts of when Jesus was generous with his time, when he healed and when he spoke to people, when it was not convenient that he was, he was generous with his emotions. He was generous with himself when he would hang out with those that people, people that were marginalized, people that nobody wanted anything to do with, with the tax collectors, with the sinners. 
But he was there with them. Jesus was, was generous with the resources that were allocated to him. And in the book of Matthew, in chapter 14 and 15, back to back, we see different stories of when Jesus multiplied loaves of bread and fish to feed thousands of people. And in Matthew chapter 15, the, the Bible says that Jesus was compassionate towards them and did not want to send them off hungry. He was generous. Jesus was so generous that he gave himself up on a cross for people like me and people like you. He allowed himself to be tortured and humiliated and killed with you and me in mind. Which for that alone, can we thank Jesus for his generous love? Can we just thank him right now? Can we give him a praise just because he is so loving and he is so generous with that love? Don't just watch. We're called to be generous. That's why, that's why our third core value here at Calvary is generosity is the catalyst to our vision. That's why that everything, everything that we do in mind is we're going to be generous. We're going to be generous with our time. We're going to be generous with our resources. We're going to be generous with everything that we have at our, at our disposal. We're going to make sure that we are generous giving more than what's required, more than what's expected. And maybe you're here and you're like, okay, that sounds great. I, I kind of get, get the deal here, right? Like we're, we're called to be generous. We want to give, but like, what is the vision? So for those that are new here or don't know the vision here at Calvary, it's actually broken up into four simple words, four different phrases. And that's reach, help, teach, release. Reach so that everyone can know God. Help so that we can get those people who just started a relationship with Jesus, pastors, so that we can get them in community. Teach so that we can equip every single person with their God-given gifts and talents, why they were created, why they're here on earth, and release so that they can live out those God-given gifts and talents. Again, generosity is a catalyst to the vision. So when we say generosity is a catalyst to the vision, we're not just saying that, uh, hey, you know, we're just always going to give money. No, no, no. It's so much more than that. What we're saying is that when everyone, collectively, as a church, we give more, we do more, we serve more, we spend more time with one another, then we're able to make a bigger impact. We're able to build a bigger legacy that will impact more people than just what one person or a few can do. Because, look, here's the reality, right? Because God is great and God can literally use anyone in whatever capacity that he wants, which thank you, God, for that, right? But, and we hear time and time again of, of, of one person changing the world, but I, I want you to dream with me real quick. Like, just imagine. Imagine if all of our families were generous. Imagine if our entire church was generous. Imagine if our workplaces were generous. Imagine if the city of Miami that is known for its, its vacationing and for its nightlife was known as a city that was generous. Imagine the impact we'll be able to make across the world. Like, can you just dream with me real quick? Can you just imagine what our world would look like if everyone gave above and beyond than what they were actually required? If they spent more time with one another, if they gave more out of their resource, if they actually used their gifts and talents to be able to serve one another, what would our lives look like? What would our families look like? What would our city look like? What would our church look like? What would our world look like? The impact we'll be able to make collectively will be exponentially greater than just what one or few people can do. So when we're generous with our finances, when we're generous with our giving, then what we're able to do is we're able to keep the doors open to a place where people, families can come in and hear a word from God, be encouraged, be edified, where people can get saved, where families are restored, where people are getting healed, where we can finance other ministries in, other, in different parts of Miami and across the world that can reach people far beyond our own personal reach. When we're generous with our time and maybe leading a connect group, pause. 
then we're able to facilitate a place where people can, can, can just hang out with one another, where people can find community, where you don't have to do life alone, where you can get alongside other people that, that, that are like-minded, that want to encourage you, that want to pray for you, that want to be there for you, that want to help you grow spiritually. When we're generous with our gifts and our talents, when we're generous with our serving, like our amazing worship team, which shout out to the choir today. <laughs> What happens is that immediately it just inspires people to want to develop their gifts and talents. It makes them want to go to Growth Track Sundays at 1 p.m. in the additional seating area. Like, it, it inspires people to want to grow their gifts and talents. And then with that, we're able to collaborate with one another, make more of an impact. We're able to facilitate a service. Like the host team that opens the doors every single Sunday. You think they do it because they like opening doors? No, they do it because they know that there's going to be people walking in every single week that are broken, that are hurting, that need a word from God. Because families are getting healed, people are getting saved, marriages are getting restored. And it's all because of our collective generosity. Like, again, I, I was this person and maybe, maybe you're here and you're hearing this and your immediate, like your thoughts right now going through your mind is like, I have nothing to offer. How can I be generous if I have nothing to offer? Like, God, I don't feel like God's given me any talents. I feel like I don't have any gifts. I'm too broke. I'm too broken. Like, like, my marriage is a mess. Who am I to lead a connect group? My kids are going crazy. Who am I to even dare be a part of Dream Team? How can I really make a difference if God only knew what I said, what I'm thinking right now, what I did last night, what I did last week? That's the reality. We can easily get into that default of self-deprecation to justify our selfishness. But I want to tell you, friend, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Because the Bible tells me time and time again how God used broken people with a terrible past to make a difference, to make an impact. The Bible also tells me that God says, hey, if you call on to me, I will answer you and I will show you great and unsearchable things. The Bible also tells me in Ephesians chapter 2 that we are God's handiwork. We are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus. That he has, pre that he has created good works for us to do in advance. Good works for you. Yes, you. To do in advance. Don't just watch. Don't just watch on the sidelines. Get your skin in the game. Start somewhere. See, because the reality is like, generosity has nothing to do with wealth. It has nothing to do with wealth. It has everything to do with willingness. So if we just start somewhere, we're able to make ourselves willing to be able to be used by God to say, you know what, God, I open myself up to you however you want to use me. Man, what God will do in your life, what God will do through your life is far beyond than what we can ever ask, think, or imagine. So when we're talking about building a legacy through heart for the house, we're not talking about making equal contributions in the amount. We're talking about equal sacrifice. We're not talking about equal, um, e e equal giving. We're talking about equal participation. That again, if we all come together, we all bend with one another, then the legacy we're able to leave would be far greater than if only a few people did. See, because the reality is, is that what we're a part of here at Calvary, what we're a part of as the, the global church of Jesus Christ is far greater than the role that we play. It's far greater than the role that we play. I'll say it this way, is that a, gener like, a generous life is a blessed life. A generous life is a blessed life. Like we're blessed by God to be a blessing from God. Like Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 says that one gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Another translation says that the world of the generous grows bigger and bigger. 
and the world of the selfish grows smaller and smaller. We're called to be generous. A generous life is a blessed life. And blessing means to have more than what is needed. And God wants to bless you and God wants to use you. All right, but let's go back to the text that we read here, right? Because let's, let's see what we can pull here when it, comes to, when it comes to generosity. Because I found three things that I'm gonna share right now. And, and these three things, they not, they're not exhaustive, but they're not only what happens when we're generous, but they're also a great reason to be generous. And the first one is that we respond appropriately. We respond appropriately. What does that mean? He saved you. Jesus saves. Simple as that. He was generous with his love for me, so I'm gonna be generous to the people he loves, which are people. The best way to love me is to love the people I love. The best way to make me happy is you treat my wife well, you treat my dog well, you treat my sister well, you treat my family well. Simple as that. But let's go back to the text, Titus chapter three, verse four, it says that, but when the kindness and love of God, our savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing and rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us, Say it with me, generously. Other translations say richly, abundantly. So because God was generous to me, I want to be generous back. Like think about about a friend, Raquel was talking about it a little earlier, but think about a friend that you go out to lunch with and all you did was just plan out to go to to lunch, but they paid for your bill. What's the first thing that comes to mind? I should have got something more expensive. I know they were going to (laughs) pay. No, but, but the reality is, but here's the thing, the moment that happens, immediately you're thinking, hey, like, I, wa- I can't wait to take you out to lunch because I want to pay for your meal. It's reciprocated generosity. That's just our, that's, that's, a, that's an appropriate response. I actually love how the apostle Paul mentions in Romans chapter 12, verse one, I'm going to be reading out of the Amplified translation. It says that, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves set apart as a living sacrifice Holy and well-pleasing pleasing to God, which is your rational, your logical, and intelligent act of worship. It's rational to respond to, respond to God with generosity. It's, it's logical. It's an intelligent act of worship. Like, here's what I'll challenge you to do, and, and maybe you haven't reflected on this in a while, but what has God done for you? Like, besides, like if you consider yourself a Christian, besides the fact that he saved you, right, like, which is already more than enough... Like, what has God done for you? What have you seen God do for your life? Has he provided for you? His mercies are new every morning. So if you're here today, he's given you breath. That's already something to thank him for. What has he done for your family? What have you seen him do in your family? What have you seen him do in the lives of people that you care about, the lives of others around you? We have to respond appropriately. And because he saves, man, thank you, Jesus, that my eternity is not based on anything that I can do, but it's all based on who I know. And if you know Jesus, there goes your ticket. (laughs) So the first thing is, again, we respond appropriately. Second is that whenever we're generous and why we should be generous is because we invest in inheritance. We invest in inheritance. Going back to the text, chapter three, verse seven in Titus, it says that so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Like if you're here today, you are reaping the benefits of someone else's generosity before you. Someone else paid it forward. Like, there are a group of people that sold seed, that were generous with their time, that was generous with their money, that was generous with their service to make sure that we're able to be in this place safely, safely and worship Jesus. It's all because of the generosity that came before us. They, they knew what was to come. They believed 
and the vision. They, they, they trusted God. Like this makes me, like as I was writing this, it, it, this made me reflect back on when I gave my life to Jesus. I'm born and raised here in Miami, Florida. I spent a year in North Carolina. I visited a church in North Carolina because of a friend who doesn't have a relationship with God invited me because that's how bad I was doing that. He was like, man, you gotta go somewhere. But somebody invested in that ministry. Someone said, hey, I'm gonna give up my time. I'm gonna give up my money. I'm gonna do whatever it is so that anybody who comes in here can have an encounter with God. Someone, someone who doesn't even know I exist invested in my inheritance. That's why we give. That's why we're generous. That's why we have heart for the house because we invest in inheritance. Like, during the week I was, I was reading First Chronicles and, and in First Chronicles chapter 28 and 29, we're told of the story of when King David is, is building the temple of God. So what happened is um, God had asked David to, to build a temple, but David sinned against God. So God said, you know what? You can no longer be a part of the building plan as far as like being able to step into the temple, which is to house the, the presence of God. So his son Solomon was gonna go ahead and benefit from that. And he was gonna, he was gonna be the one that, that made everything happen. But the Bible tells us in, in First Chronicles 28 and 29 that King David resourced the temple. That he gave what scholars believe to be millions and billions of dollars to building the temple of God that he would never himself step foot in. That he would never even see. Because he knew that once you have an encounter with God, the blessing that you get from being in his presence, that he just wanted someone else to experience that. He invested an inheritance. And what's crazy is this is that God not only, like, not only does he does he have more for you? He wants, he wants to give you more so that you can bless more. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse 11 says that you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So like a day like yesterday where we have a city care outreach where we give away over 400 boxes of food and we reach out to first responders and we do that. We, we don't do it because we want to be on Channel 7 News. We do it because we're investing in inheritance because we know that every single act of generosity points back to Jesus. Why we give to Heart for the House is because it's not because we just want a building fund or we're trying to push a project or anything like that. That's not the case. It's because we're investing in the inheritance of children across the world in India, in Central America, in South America, in churches in Cuba, that they can have an encounter with God. We invest in inheritance. Like whenever, whenever we're generous, our mentality, and I want to challenge you with this, our mentality should never be like, if I'm generous, what's going to happen to me? Like if I serve God, What's going to happen to me? If I give towards heart for the house, what's going to happen to me? If I spend more time with this, if I lead a connect group, what's going to happen to me? But instead, I want to challenge that perspective to more like, what's going to happen to them if I don't? What's going to happen to them if I don't give? What's going to happen to them if I don't serve? What's going to happen to them if I don't be generous? So the first thing again is we respond appropriately. Second is that we, just, we invest in inheritance and the third thing that we can see here is that we display God's love. Whenever we're generous, we display God's love. I think that speaks for itself. God is the most generous being in the universe. He created generosity. <laughs> but let's go back to the text real quick. Titus chapter three, verse eight, it says that this is a trustworthy saying. And I want to stress, I want, to stress, I want you to stress these, these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Like, you guys know like those one size fit all Snuggies? They don't fit everyone. <laughs> 
there is no cookie cutter like setting for everyone. But what's profitable and excellent for all is getting in God's presence. That's the one universal like blessing that everyone can, can have. You don't have to worry about what you've done, where you've been, who you are, what your past is. It's his presence, his love is profitable and excellent for everyone. So when we're generous, we're displaying God's love. Again, God is the ultimate giver. So much so that he gave his only son, John, John chapter three, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Again, we don't, we don't give, we don't serve, we don't spend, we don't lead connect groups just to build an organization or push an agenda. No, we do it because we want to display God's love. We do it because we want the city of Miami, we want the world to know that Jesus loves them. Because we know once you have an encounter with God, your life will never be the same again. Don't just watch. What legacy, what legacy are you building? Ask yourself, what legacy am I building? Because I hear at Calvary, we're going to make sure that the legacy that we build goes far beyond when we're, like, when we're far and gone, that there are going to be generations upon generations still reaping the benefit of every time that we responded appropriately, every time that we invested in their inheritance, and every time that we made sure that we displayed God's love. See, God's plan for humanity is humanity. It's crazy, right? That God would use imperfect people like me, imperfect people like you, to, make, to, to allow us to be an ambassador of him. Almighty God, king of the universe, the creator of it all. Even though we're messed up, probably cuss a little bit, <laughs> probably lie, have done wrong. But again, we're called to be generous. You know, when I, when I was writing this message, I, I began to reflect as far as like examples, like who are some amazing examples of people, people of God that, that built a legacy based on their generosity? And I think of one man that, it's gonna be hard for me to look right now, but I think of a man who passed away earlier this year that I would see every single Sunday and was always so encouraging. His name was Paul Dunn, amazing man of God. I had the privilege of being a part of, of facilitating his, his celebration of life service and every single person that came up, all they did was talk about how generous he was, how encouraging he was, how loving he was. All they did, even his gifts of being able to cook, that's all everyone talked about is how good of a cook he was. Again, generosity doesn't have to do only with money. It's so much more than that. But that's the legacy that he built and that all of it pointed back to Jesus. I think of another man of God, actually a week later, my wife's uncle, his name was Enoch. Amazing man of God. When I tell you, like, he was the standard. He's the example. If I can be half the man that he was, I would be okay with that. He was generous. He, he, would, he was generous with his encouragement. He was generous with his words. He would spend time with people that no one wanted to spend time with. He would constantly fund the church. Like so much so that at his funeral, every single person that came up to speak said, hey, he'll probably be very mad that we're saying his name more than Jesus right now. That's a man that was, that was generous. That's a man that built a legacy on his generosity. So the question I pose is what legacy are we building? What are we building towards? Are we living a life of generosity? And it doesn't have to be big, it just has to start somewhere. It's all about willingness, not wealth. Like, I'll close off with this. 
And this is a thought that I've just been, I mean, I, I've, I've been shook by it. As I was preparing for today, like this entire week, I just couldn't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't shake this that there's four things. I know for a fact I don't, but there's four things that for sure none of us can deserve or earn. And that's God's love, his grace, his mercy, and his favor. But time and time again, the Bible tells us what does he give generously? What does he give abundantly? What does he give richly? His love, his mercy, his grace, and his favor. There's no way we can deserve it. But because he was generous with us, we're going to be generous back. How are you going to respond? What legacy are we building? How will you respond to God's generosity? If we can all just stand up to our feet, we're going to close up right now. And really what I want to do is I want to give somebody an opportunity to respond to his generous love, to his generous forgiveness. And if we can all just close our eyes and bow our heads, there's really a moment of privacy. And if you're in here today and you hear this message and, and immediately you're already thinking those thoughts of God wants nothing to do with me. Like, I don't even know where to start to be generous. I want to, I want to encourage you to start just by receiving his generosity. See, the Bible tells us that God is holy. And because he is so holy, he cannot be with sin. And the reality is that all of us have fallen short of God's standard. We all have sinned. I've sinned, you sinned, everyone has. There's not a single per perfect person here today. And sin separates us from God. But God, knowing that there's no way that we can earn our way to him, generously gave his son, Jesus. He came to this earth, lived a perfect life, fulfilled every single standard and then generously gave himself up on a cross to be stabbed, to be beaten, to be humiliated, to be spat on, to be murdered on that cross. But the Bible also tells us that three days later, while he was dead, he rose from the dead because he is greater than death. He's greater than what's called the sting of death. And Jesus did all that with you and with me in mind because he knew that the moment that we receive him in our heart, the moment that we believe in our heart and declare with our mouth that he did, that he is God and that he rose from the dead, we would be saved. And again, all it takes to start being generous is to first receive that ultimate act of generosity. So with eyes still closed and heads still bowed, if you're here today and you wanna respond and you wanna say, hey, I wanna start this relationship with Jesus. I want to accept that generous gift of forgiveness. On the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to put your hand up and you can put it right back down. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna point you out. I'm not gonna do anything. I just wanna acknowledge who I'm praying for. And maybe you're here today and you've made a decision like this before, but you feel so far from God that you wanna recommit your life to him. I wanna give you that opportunity as well. So if you wanna receive that free gift of forgiveness, on the count of three, put your hand up. One, God loves you. Two, your life will never be the same again. Three, if that's you, you can put your hand right up. You can put it right back down. God bless you, God bless you. I see you, I see you, I see you. God bless you, I see you. I see you, God bless you. God bless you, I see you in the back. I see you on the side, amen. God bless you. So with eyes still closed and heads still bowed, what I wanna do, if you made that decision here today and maybe you're watching online, you made that decision, I wanna, I wanna lead you in a prayer. It's not a prayer to a pastor or to a church, it's a prayer to God. I just wanna facilitate this for you. And because we're a family, we're all gonna say it together. So repeat after me prayer. So repeat after me, dear Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I believe that you're the son of God, that you died for my sins. And on the third day, you resurrected. Jesus, I believe 
that you're the son of God, that you died for my sins. And on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my heart, be my Lord and be my savior. From today on, I am healed, I am forgiven and I am made new. And I will follow you all the days of my life. Jesus, I love you and I thank you. And it's in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, can we congratulate every person making that decision? Can we celebrate with them? God bless you. And look, if you made that decision here today, I just want to congratulate congratulate you on making the best decision ever. And while I can't promise that your life is going to be perfect, I can't promise you this. You have the perfect one with you. That first act of that first act of generosity that you just received will now open the door to a generous life. But we do have a free gift for you. If you made that decision, that's going to be this Bible. Let us be generous to you too. And if you made that decision, you're going to see a bunch of people. The moment you walk out of our auditorium, people waving this around. You're going to see a connect tent out front. Don't leave out of here without this. Maybe you have a Bible at home. Maybe you have the Bible app. That's cool. You don't have this. So please, like, make sure that you get one of these. Get connected. And uh, truly believe this will bless your life. And if you're watching online, text the word decided to 33222 and we'll send you this in the mail. But church, can we congratulate everybody making that decision one more time? Amen. Amen. Hey, so I hope, I hope that message encouraged you. I hope it inspired you. And, and look, this week we have Thanksgiving, right? We have so much to be thankful for. And we're going to be with some family members that probably we would have dodged on a normal basis. But here's what I want to challenge you to do. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your encouragement. Be generous with your gratitude. Talk to somebody this week. Get connected to somebody this week. Join Dream Team if if that's your next step, whatever it is. But let's live a life of generosity. But we're going to leave out of here worshiping the name of Jesus one more time. And we're going to enjoy the rest of our Sunday. But before we do, let me pray for your week. And then we'll continue to worship. So Jesus, we thank you so much. Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. God, we thank you that we get to serve you, God. And we thank you that you are generous to, to us, God. Father, I pray that you would bless our week. Go before us, God. Lord, may you remind us that since you were generous to us, we are called to be generous to others, Father. Lord, may the legacy that we we build always point back to you, Jesus. So, Lord, we love you and we thank you.